Hello, Matt. How are you this evening? Yeah, very well, thank you, Matt. Very well. How about yourself? Yeah, very well as well. Lovely autumn. Well, winter's day here, but it felt almost autumnal. It was lovely here today. How was it in your part of the world? Yeah, not so bad, mate. Not so bad. It was chilly this morning, but yeah, nice and fresh through the day. You don't mind them days in the winter, do you? No, you don't mind those days in the winter at all. Um, uh, before we start with the golf, I just want to um, get uh, an Englishman's perspective of the Ashes uh, uh, series. Um, I know you're uh, you're a keen follower of crawl. You used to be, I think, a keen follower of cricket in your day. What what do you uh, what do you take away from the Ashes series? I take away that I'm really glad it's late at night, so I've not had to watch it all. <laughs> yeah. um, it's it's fairly depressing when you wake up at, what, six o'clock, getting ready to go to work, and you flick on the uh, BBC Sport or Twitter and see yet another collapse. Um, it's, I was reading some stats about it because, you know, I like my stats. I think it's 13-0 in the last 15 tests in Oz, one of which was at one of the flattest wickets ever at the MCG, and the other one was nine wickets down and clinging on this series. So... I think it speaks an awful lot. Um, at the same time, though, I mean, a couple of the Aussie players I'm incredibly impressed with. Pat Cummins has been unbelievable. Um, so I think credit where credit's due. I quite enjoyed, there was a video on Twitter earlier where there was like a, a late night party that um, some of the pros got kicked out of the morning after. And there was a couple of Aussie players and then Joe Root and uh, Jimmy Anderson were holding the fort for England, which yeah. I thought was quite apt. So... <laughs> yeah, I saw that uh... Uh, early morning breakup of um of what had been an all night party, and I felt kind of sad. I felt sorry for them. I thought, give the guys a break. They just want a beer, you know. Uh, yeah. After after you know, especially the English guys, after five series of getting your ass handed to you, just you know, I'm sure that they can you know have a beer, can't they? Um, <laughs> it must but... have been kiwis, those bobbies, eh? Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> um. Okay, look, let's uh, turn our attention back to golf and um, let's review what was a, a quite incredible uh, Sony Open in, in Wailahi Country Club in Hawaii. Um, Hideki Matsuyama uh, chased down what I, th- you know, I thought was going to be a, a nailed-on win for Russell Henley, but that guy Matsuyama, when he's in the mood, uh, that was a stunning performance over uh, that 18, and especially the back nine to um, to beat a uh, a really hot Russell Henley. But Matsuyama was just different gravy, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, I think he shot a pair of 63s on the weekend. Yeah, I mean, that's just unbelievable. Um, it was a weird one, right? Because I remember looking at the stats and being... It just, it just typifies how hard golf betting is because neither Russell Henley nor Hideki Matsuyama can put, and yet they both putted the lights out, particularly Hideki. Um, but like you say, like his, I think it was his Saturday round, just impressed me. Something chronic, um, and to to win, given where he was at the end at the turn on Sunday, was he four back, five back? Yeah. When it was twenty one and under and twenty five under something like that. I can't remember the exact figures, but. At that point, most people, even Hideki's got to be almost chucking it in, right? Because it's not exactly a, a course where Henley's going to get in much bother. So I thought it was game over at that point. But I, Henley was unbelievable all week. But he kind of, that 62 on Thursday was obviously hugely helpful. But you just can't shoot one over on the back nine at the Sony Open, can you? It's You're going to be in bother. And it did feel, despite how exemplary he played for the majority of the week, a bit of a choke job. And I don't like using that, but it's Russell Henley and he's not exactly averse to one of them. So, well, I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, people uh, uh, saying, you know, uh, were you on the Rust bus? <laughs> you know, and there was apparently a lot of people on the Rust bus. Uh, yeah, and, I uh, muted a few people on Thursday and Friday, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, but, uh, you know, as much as his back nine was a, was pretty poor, his front nine, Matt, was 29. He went around yeah, the 29 yeah, yeah. in his front yeah. nine. He went um, six, seven, eight, and nine. He went birdie, 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 eagle. Do you know? I mean, yeah. I mean, how does how did Matsuyama even live with him in that in that front nine? I I mean, Matsuyama played amazing golf as well, uh, and um, I'm a bit frustrated because I, there was a I I'm in, entered in a one and done competition where you get to pick one golfer for every event for the year, and uh, the per- person people with the most prize money yeah, yeah, win the comp. Yeah. Um, and I picked Hideki Matsuyama because I'd already picked some of the golfers I, I liked. And I thought, well, I'll stick in Hideki because I mentioned him on the podcast last week. And I thought, uh, I just like Hideki. Uh, I thought he played well at the Century Tournament of Champions. But um, I just he hadn't even made a cut at that Sony Open, Matt. You know, like he'd never made a cut at this tournament. He'd, yeah, I um, mean, you know. He was. He went off. He was in hindsight. It's twenty twenty, right? And it's it's brilliant to be able to look back and say, yeah, you missed one there. But he, there wasn't much cause for him there. And he was twenty to one. There's a bit of juice in it. But yeah. What, yeah, why I don't care about missing that winner is he's won by one. Well, one in a playoff, obviously. But he's gained six and a half, seven strokes put in. That's a a career best performance for Hideki. And yeah. I, couldn't see him holding that many, but I mean, fair play. Like he's he's always going to give himself enough chances with his ball striking, but I just couldn't see him holding those putts. And I feel a tad hard done by, and it's not like it was a close thing or anything. But Kisner had better approach play than Hideki, and if you'd have told me that at the start of the week, I'd have told you for sure that Kisner finishes ahead of Hideki, and he just didn't. So that's variance for you, I guess. But I don't hate missing out on Matsuyama at twenty to one. Um, I don't mind that at all. Those are going to go without me on him, unfortunately. Those wins this season. Yeah, well, let's go over our, our selections for the week because you did get uh, some places there. So um, let's go over uh, who who you had for the week and uh, and what you thought of their performances, Matt. Yeah, sure. So you know what? It was very much a case of of two halves. Um, my two players. I thought I had a really good Thursday, and everyone I thought was relatively well placed, um, apart from maybe Joel Damon. Um, Tom Hoagie had a four under Thursday. I think mm. it was the same. And then they had the late round um, on Friday, so I didn't actually watch it. And they just, they shot, I think, a couple over or one mm. over and ended up missing the cut, which was frustrating, I think, because, I mean, it was the putter that let both of those players down. Mm. Um, but I had three in it over the weekend, even going into Sunday. I think Hayden Buckley, I am increasingly impressed with. Yeah. Um, given all the stats and stuff I quoted and having put him up for the season um, before the century. Mm. But unfortunately, that bandwagon is gaining members by the hour. Um he mm. seems to be a, a, a very popular Twitter pick this week. But again, he's got, and at the Sony, he had a really a really steady makeup of his game. He hit his irons really well again. He didn't put amazingly, he put it quite good. But he's a golfer that gains strokes in almost every category. Sometimes he's a bit dodgy around the greens, but there's not many of those on tour, especially not many Corn Ferry graduates. Um, and I'm really happy that he's maintained his same price this week because um, we'll talk about that when we come to my picks. Mm. Unfortunately, he was the opposite of Henley. He shot an even par front nine, I think, um, on Sunday and then a five under back nine for Hayden Buckley and finished T12. So, I mean, it's it's encouraging, if nothing else. It just adds another top 20 to his recent form. Um, Cam Davis, disappointing Sunday. Um, I was very hopeful of a place for him. Um, I know we were both on, were we, last week, Cam Davis? Or was it Hoagie? We were uh, 
you you were on them. Uh, uh, I don't think I was on them. Uh, yeah, and then obviously Kisner. I mean, you can't knock it, can you? He's shot six under on Sunday, having started in T seven. Can't ask for any more. But he just didn't hold enough putts to to win. But no complaints. Most of the money back, so we take them where we get them and uh, move on. Yeah, I my ones were uh, Corey Connors, who I actually thought was going to win this tournament. Uh, uh, on on by the time we got through to Friday, I thought, okay, Corey, have a day on Saturday. You're right there. He was right, right in it. And I thought, my boy Corey's going to come in here. And he had a, a really, really poor Saturday, uh, uh, an awful Saturday. Uh, yeah. And then um, uh, and then he absolutely came home with a wet sail on the Sunday with a six under to finish uh, 11th, which is just out of the place money. Hey-ho. He wasn't paying much anyway. He was, um, you know, it was, it was pretty warm order. But... Um, I like him, and and if he, if it wasn't for that awful round on Saturday, uh, he was he was right there, and I and I, and I, and I yeah, I, I couldn't believe what I was uh, sort of seeing on on the Saturday, so that was a bit annoying, um, a bit frustrating because I think he's right there. Um, Kyle Stanley, uh, who is a, so threw out as a hundred and fifty to one shot, he gave me um, flutters uh, a couple of times on Sunday. I thought he was going to make a charge and get into a place, but then he does what Kyle Stanley often does and 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 um, and shat the bed a little bit on the Sunday uh, on a couple of holes where um, he was he was right up there and uh, the, and firmly in the places he needed to keep making birdies though and um, and he didn't so unfortunately he finished in a tie for 27th on 12 under uh, and then um, yeah the Marinsky nowhere who's, who's, who deserved to be the money he was he started out brightly enough but couldn't make the cut um, and um, I can't remember the other guy. It wasn't as, it wasn't that wasn't good enough anyway. So yeah, a bit of a frustrating, a uh, bit of a frustrating follow, especially with Corey Connors. But um, hey ho, never mind. We we fight again. Um, and I'll just give a bit of a, a wrap up for the tournament for those of you who uh, just want to remind themselves about uh, who finished where. Hideki Matsuyama finished first, um, won in a playoff, um, uh, finished first, tied equal um, first with Russell Henley on 23 under, and then Hideki Matsuyama hit what some will probably say, some are saying, was one of the shots of the year already, um, a, 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 an eagle uh, uh, from from way downtown uh, and pulls up about two feet from the hole for an eagle to win on the par 5 18th at Waiale in the first hole of the playoff, so... Hard as nails, Hideki Matsuyama, and ignore him at your peril in the majors this year. I don't think that guy's done yet. Um, Russell Henley fell on the sword. You can't, you can't, you know. As you say, choke is a bit of a cruel tag. I don't think so. I think, uh, I think he he just got beaten by a guy that was just on fire, and he would have beat, he beat every other player in the field. Um, Henley, in fact, I think it was some sort of stat where he, his strokes were um, no one beat him in, in uh, strokes on over the last two days. So, you know, he he was brilliant. Kevin Kisner, as you say, did played very well, tied for third on 19 under with Seamus Powell. This guy's becoming a bit of a revelation. This guy is rocketing up the world. The man from Waterford, who lives, Waterford's just down the road from where I live in Ireland. This guy has, has come from the clouds over the last, um, you know, 12 to 24 months um, to be, I think he's snuck, snuck inside the top. 30 in the world now or something. He's, it's crazy. So he's yeah, going he's great. Seamus Power finished uh, tied for third. Um, tied fifth was Michael Thompson, who I thought played a stonking um, four rounds at the Wailei and, uh, and and played very well to finish in a tie for fifth on 18 under with Lucas Glover. 
Um, Kevin Mitchell had a good Sunday, finished seven under on Sunday to finish um, tied for seventh on 17 under with Russell Knox, uh, Matt Kuchar, uh, and this new young kid, uh, Svensson, uh, who's um, uh, come over on the PGA Tour and uh, looks like a bright prospect on 17 under as well. And then, um, as I say, um, Corey Connors finished 11th on 16 under with the final round six under. So, a great tournament, a, a, a lovely uh, part of the world. It's, it's, um, it's always nice to sort of swing by Hawaii. It does no good for your uh, sleeping patterns, though, um, because it finishes at stupid o'clock in the morning. So uh, we're, we're not going to escape that as well because we're on to the West Coast this week. So we're still in, we're in Southern California, so it's no different, really. Uh, and uh, so we're still going to be doing some very late-night shifts. But um, it's some, what I liked about this tournament was we actually got to see some form for some of the kind of everyman golfers who can potentially come in at a price. And I think there was some good form to pick up from a lot of players. So um, before I move on, um, any sort of final thoughts on the tournament itself, Matt? Yeah, it's, I'll be honest, I don't like this tournament as a betting heat. Um, it feels like a stick a nail in and hope for the best because it... <sighs> Obviously, the, the three the three cost rotation isn't great because there isn't an awful lot of strokes gain data available. Um, they're all short courses underneath uh, seven thousand two hundred yards. Um, obviously, they're really easy scoring, especially like um, and the, the the Nicholas course, I think. But what does kind of I guess attract me as a as a better for this is some of the names that have won it in the past because there's all sorts of names of all sorts of prices. You've got like Adam Long, Landry, Gay, Haas, Wilson. Like they're all players that evidence the fact that it's going to be anyone's game because none of those are particularly long hitters. Um, some decent hitters. I've won it before in the past too. So it's very much a that strokes gained off the tee is kind of taken out of it. You don't have to be a bomber to do well here. Um, however, the bit I find hard is it does usually come down to who gets a hot putter that week. You can go through all the stats you want, right? But if you don't hold putts here, you're not going to win. It's since it's Bob Hope Classic Days, right? It's been a perennially low-scoring event. Um, and as a man who likes to back players with good Tita Green numbers who can't really put, it doesn't exactly lend itself. I feel like, despite there being water off the tee, it's it's not exactly... A, it doesn't have that separation of the, the really elite players, which is why you get long-odds winners, but I think also makes it hard to pick down or to pin down the right the right bomb because there are what a hundred odd players at a hundred to one plus yeah. likely it's one of them might well win but the chances of picking the right one who gets a really hot putter that week are a bit of a struggle um so i've kind of designed my bets to reflect that having a, a couple from the top and then and then a fair few longer odds lads that speculative at best because you look about the, the two at the top of the market right neither of us are going to back them obviously but no. It wouldn't surprise me, right, if one of them just lapped the field because both those names of Ram and Cantley are kind of synonymous with with birdies for days, right? They, when they go hot, they just score relentlessly. And if they do it, they'll do it without my money or without many people's money this week. But the reason that we get all of those 100 to 1 plus, right, is because those two elite names are at the top. If they weren't there, they'd probably fall more into the, the mid-range of 60 to 100 but there we are. It's kind of a nature of the beast when you get the, the Amex or the Bob up every year. So we'll have a punt at it. But truth be told, it's not my favourite betting event. No, I'm I'm agreeing with you. I'm right with you on that. Um, the Amex, uh, I don't like Pro-Am events. I, I, I really don't. I Can you imagine being a professional and having some hacker 
um, with you for three rounds of the tournament. Uh, just, you know, sending it left and right into the water and into the trees. I, I know some of these guys are, are pretty decent golfers. I get that. Some of these amateurs are very good. But also some of them are pretty ropey. Uh, I've seen yeah. some pretty ropey amateurs on these competitions as well. Imagine getting stuck with a guy like me, you know, like, um, <laughs> you know, who, um, you know, uh, just would ruin your momentum and focus. If you're a professional, you're here to win a golf tournament and to be completely wrapped up in that. If you're playing with a partner who is stinking up the joint, you can't tell me that that doesn't affect your momentum and focus, right? Yeah, it's got to be, right? It's uh, Yeah, I remember listening to a podcast a while ago. I can't remember if it was this one or one of the other programs. And it takes a, a certain sort of person, doesn't, doesn't it, that, that almost embraces that that makeup of an event. I think it was when it was the, the Alfred Dunhill um, yeah. has a, a program as well. Yeah. And there are some players that, that almost enjoy that, right? And it becomes a bit of a day out with the lads and it takes the pressure off. Yeah. But for me... I would hate it. I mean, it makes me think about the issues about Kevin Nair and his slow play and the yeah. players that play with him getting frustrated. Man, they're getting frustrated by Kevin Nair. Imagine how frustrated you are when you've got two 16 handicappers trying to go around. Yeah, well, that's right. I mean, it's, uh, and this is interesting you used to say about Kevin Nair, you know, the, the sort of you know, Twitter beef that they're, they're calling it. He got in with a, a pro, you know, calling him out for a slow play, a slow play and then they got Kevin Nair calling him back for not making cuts. But, I mean, Corey Connors was with Kevin Nair on that Saturday, and somebody put out an interesting thing saying, if Corey Connors wasn't with Kevin Nair playing as a partner with that Kevin Nair on Saturday, there's no way he would have had that awful round that he did. So, yeah, I agree. I think timing and, and momentum and rhythm and speed or lack of it must definitely play a huge part in the way that you play golf as a pro because we're talking about a game at this level of inches in terms of, you know, the ability of, they're all good, great golfers, all these guys. It's it's about the intangibles, about, you know, how is it feeling for you on the day and what's it like and what's your playing partner playing like. And if you're stuck with some fat bloke on a 22, I mean, oh, my God, you must just think, please, you know, someone, they have, they have a massive heart attack or something, you know, just get out of my way. You know, so I, I think that it must be, I, I just, I would hate it too. I'm the same as you. I, I would just think, no, I can't have this. So uh, you'd have to be pretty zen in your kind of uh, thing. And then there's the three, as you say, the three golf course format as well. I'm not a, a lover of that either. I think this is a bit of a pig in the poke. Um, uh, so I'm going to go based on, you know, you've said, you know, you're going to sort of base yours and I'm going to base mine solely, my pick solely on what I saw last week and players who I thought, are, are trending in, into form and who look like they are in the zone. So hopefully, please God, they just get paired up with somebody who can play a bit and they and they enjoy the round and and carry on from there. So um, I've got my picks. You've got yours. I'm going to give you the floor first since you probably did better than me last week. So the honour is yours, Matt. Work away. So yeah, just to, to clarify, I'm going for very much a bit of a feel this week as well as kind of some low scoring stats like birdie average approach plays obviously important and looking in a bit of course form um interesting you should say actually that you're basing yours on on the sony last week because i really narrowed my models for this and 
went for basically since the turn of the year or the couple, maybe the RSM and then the turn of the year to look at really recent form. Because ideally, I want players that played in Hawaii, ones that have knocked the rust off, especially yeah. near the top of the market. You don't really want to back a Scheffler above a Sung Jaim because yeah. he's not played yet this season. So yeah. speaking of Sung Jaim, my first cab off the rank is indeed Sung Jaim. Um, and he's, he's interesting for me because actually he's not normally a golfer that it's not when I thought I was going to back, as he did miss the cut last week. But what I think about Sungjae is he comes off really well in some metrics around keeping it in play off the tee. So he's a really accurate driver. So there is a bit of water in play off the tee. You can make a big number here, despite it being a low-scoring course. So he's definitely going to do that. Um, his course form of 12th, 10th and 12th speaks for itself. Um, and he came eighth at the, the Century Tournament of Champions too. So all of those are, are pros in his favour. But what is even more pro for me is that he's a very, very good putter, but he hasn't putted that well in Hawaii, despite playing quite well um, at the Tournament of Champions. So I just think he's one that that is really good at making birdies in bunches, having come up off the Corn Ferry. Um, you'd expect that anyway. But I ran some models around um, short course scoring and and scoring on easy courses, and he ranks in the, the top five, top ten in both of those. Um, as well as just being an elite ball striker these days, kind of he's up there with with your Connors and your Rams and and that sort of player. So I just like Sungjae this week. He is twenty to one. It's probably the sh- one of the shorter prices I'll back this year. But he was really consistent in tee to green play. He's gonna give himself chances. It's just getting that uh, getting that flat stick to work. So yeah, Sungjae at twenty to one is my first shout. Okay. Um, second is kind of linked to last week in Hawaii form is Seamus Power. Now, unfortunately, I think he's been put up by a couple of other people. So he was most of the juice and the price was gone. So I've taken five places on Seamus Power this week at 40 to 1. He's in the form of his life. Uh, you mentioned he's he's just broken into the top 50s. Um, I don't know if he's just overtaken Shane Lowry or he's not a million miles away from that. But his numbers are just excellent. He's number one on the PGA Tour since the season started back after the Tour Champs in par four scoring. Going to be useful anyway. Um, and he's just super consistent. Tita Green is is. Approach numbers are great. Um, he finds the fairway all of the time, and his birdie average is excellent. I can't find anything not to like about Seamus Power this week. And he was uh, rolling them in from everywhere on Sunday. Certainly was. He, once he gets that putter going, he's not scared of keeping it going. And I mean, form figures of, of third, 15th, and fourth in his last three starts yeah. um, are good enough for me. Now, he's not played this tournament for a year or two, I don't think. He did miss the cut on the last appearance, but previous to that, he's come 11th and 21st, which doesn't exactly suggest he's uncomfortable. Um, and he's obviously, I mean, given his recent form, he's a far better player now than he was on any other visit to the course. Um, ultimately, it was a toss-up between him and Taylor Gooch. Um, but by the time I went on to, to finalise my bets this afternoon, Gooch is short and somewhat chronic. He must have been tipped. And he's now 25-1, to 1, which I'm really struggling to back Taylor Gooch at um, when he's a couple of points ahead of like Finau and Sungjae. Um, yeah. So power for a bit of value at 40s. I thought that was quite a nice price, given mm. he was about 45-1 to 1 last week, I think, and he played mm. excellently. Mm. Um, and after that, we start to diversify into bombs. Um, the first of which, um, or the second, I'll t- quote two together because pretty much the same reasons as last week in Hayden Buckley and Tom Hoagie. Um, Tom Hoagie missed the cut. Fair enough. Um, however, he does play short courses really well. Um, and I put him up for his iron numbers. He played okay at the Sony, but they've added 45 points onto his price for one poor performance after he's been hitting his irons really, really well and just playing really well for like best part of a month, two months. So I'm really not again. Numbers don't change for me. 
And I said to someone earlier, I'm really looking for ways to forgive golfers for the odd poor performance because I've missed a couple of winners in the last year or two by doing that and putting a black mark against someone's name because they had a bit of a dodgy week. And it's not as if he missed the cut by tons. He just, I don't know, couldn't get that put of work in. So Tom Hoagie at 125, there's plenty of juice in it. He's come sixth here a couple of years ago um, and he's got a previous 21st. So there's enough course form there. Um, he's knocked the rust off, hopefully, um, and we'll see where we come out. Um, in the second appearance of the year, Hayden Buckley, we talked about, super, super even profile. He's just going to be a great golfer. Um, he's got a solid makeup. His iron numbers are, are brilliant. Um, and he's still 125 to 1. After a good performance, I thought that might shorten a little bit. Um, and he's just stacking up top 20s at the moment on the PGA Tour, which in the first half of his first season is absolutely no no mean feat. And he very much looks like the, the cream of the crop of that Corn Ferry bunch at the minute. So while he's three figures, I won't stop backing him, truth be told. Um, and then we start to get really speculative. The, um, I've got two because they're so long. The first of which is Lucas Glover. Um, he's 125 to 1. Um, he led in strokes gained approach last week. And that is the polar opposite of the Tournament of Champions where he didn't play very well at all. Um, but I quite like Glover this week. He comes out relatively nicely um, in a couple of my models, especially playing short courses, of which this very much is one. And I don't know, he's not normally someone I've backed, but... He's one who you often see on the leaderboard on a Saturday sort of stacking birdies together at points. Um, and his tee to green game's been excellent. And actually last week he didn't put badly at all. So I'm hoping he can maintain the iron form that was sparkling. He's unlikely to lead the field again, granted. But he would put in okay and that that encourages me for Glover because normally the man shakes over a four-footer and that doesn't seem to be the case um, at the minute. Um, he come fifth um, on his... On his previous start, um, he has missed a couple of cuts here, but he's got a 12th or 21st, so he makes cuts here. He's 125 to 1. I'm absolutely happy to have a, a few shekels on Glover. And the last one is my old mate, just because he, he was three figures and he strikes me as a golfer that can birdie in bunches. And his birdie average actually proves that point. He scores really, really well. And it's Sebastian Munoz. Um, I know I've put him up an awful lot chatting to you. Um, it is his first appearance of the season. I'd rather not back players first time out. Um, but for Munoz, I can forgive him. He's probably got the best in terms of the stats and the models that have come up, despite not playing that well at this course. He has got a 21st and two missed cuts. But approach plays good. Tita Green's good. Birdie average is good. What's not to like? First appearance of the season. Let's see if Munoz can uh, can haul a few and bring us home. So 400 plus and two from the top of the market for me, Craig. I see you're getting seduced by the ghost of Tom Hoagie, Matt. It's, it's, <sighs> a, it's, a, it's a lonely old road when you start getting <laughs> down this road with Tom Hoagie. He's, um, um, let, let, me, let me just warn you now um it will it will it will mess with your head um <laughs> as, I, as, soon I, as we get for long course i'll leave him i promise but yeah I, for I, the time I, being yeah and i speak as from as experience as you know um but i would say i'm only mocking really because actually i don't mind tom Ho- I, I do agree with you i think the, the price they put him out to this week is an overreaction for what was, let's be honest, a fairly disappointing uh, missed cut last week. Uh, but as there's something about Tom Hoagie, he does this actually. He'll have one stinker and then go out the next week and do really well. So I wouldn't at all ride off Tom Hoagie's chances at all. Um, he is, <laughs> he does haunt you though, this guy. He, he He's the kind of guy that you uh, keep an eye on and, and then he'll throw up a double mm-hmm. bogey and you just think, oh, please, Tom, what are you doing? Yeah. So uh, he's... In fairness, um, there, was, um, there was definitely 
card. Now I've gone off Matty Neesmith, so um, yeah. there's room for a man who lets me down every now and then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tom can do that to you, but, but I agree with you. I haven't got him in my card this week, and I'll, but I'll keep an eye on him and running, and if he starts to move and running, I'll jump on him before he gets too short because he... Yep, I, I agree with you. This is a short course with him. He could do it. He disappointed last week, and he could come back, but then again, it's Tom Hoagie, and he can drive you to drink, that guy. So um, I will give you my bets. Uh, I've got four for the week at the Amex. Uh, as I said, based on a lot of mine, based on what I saw last week. So I'm going first of all um, for, well, I'm going to go shortest to longest. So in terms of odds, Corey Connors, I'm going back with Corey Connors this week at 22 to 1 with Star Sports. If not for a very sloppy third round, this guy would have placed um, last week for me, at least placed and possibly could have won. I, I think he was playing that well. I saw a bit of him and he was playing really, really well. Uh, he was right in contention Thursday and Friday and finished like a train on Sunday. And I'm going to keep faith with the guy um, to win this week. I think he can. I think his game looks to be in a good place. That swing is as beautiful as it ever was. And uh, I'm uh, I'm going to back Corey Connors at 22 to one. That's pretty short for me. They don't get much shorter than that. I don't, you know, I don't think I've been that short for a very long time. But I just believe Corey Connors is going to keep on going. I think he just had one bad round and possibly with a bad partner on Saturday. Uh, my next bet, Russell Henley, currently twenty-eight to one with Star Sports bet. I'm, I mean, every man and his dog seemed to be on Henley last week, and he got pipped at the post by, by a man on fire. You know, the Masters champion Hideki Matsuyama played out of his skin, and 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 Henley was playing awesome as well. He didn't exactly fall apart, did he? So a lot, you know, a lot of people of Henley giving him the choker tag. I, I think that's unfair. I think he played great on Sunday. He was only just undone in a playoff, and um, and he was striping his irons. And I think, you know, same sort of, you know, short course, accuracy-based, uh, you know, second shot sort of course, iron play course, I think uh, Henley can pick up his bag and carry that form straight on to this week. And I think 28 to 1 is, is pretty good money for a guy that is obviously in, in fantastic form. Um, and, I, you know, I, I think he'll look at himself in the mirror after that and go, well, I did everything I could do. There's not much else I could have done. Uh, I just got beaten by a man who was just in an in inspired form. My third pick, who I actually think is my pick of the week, and, if, and at this stage, my pick of the year, is Michael Thompson currently at 70 to 1 with Star Sports? I cannot believe this guy is 70 to 1. He played fantastic golf at, um, uh, at Sony, uh, at the Sony, especially on Saturday. He played some inspired golf on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, he finished in a tie for fifth. He looked in rock solid form with the putter. He looked really good with his irons. He was flushing them. I just think. I mean, this is a. I think this is a gift. I think this is a steal. Seventy to one for Michael Thompson. Uh, at, at, you know, in the form he showed last week, uh, on another course that will suit us. He's a short player. He doesn't does not, doesn't particularly go well on the big courses. So here's another course or another series of courses that will suit his game. Um, I just think beautiful. I'll take that all day long. That's my bet of the year so far. Seventy to one, and I hope I'm right because um, I'm going to kind of unload on him a bit. Um, and then my last bet. Um, is Chris Kirk, who's currently at 66 to 1 with Star Sports. He's a mate of yours. I know you like him. I like him too. And I think that he, you know, we know that Chris Kirk can golf. We know that he's a, he's a very good iron player. He showed some nice form uh, last week at the Sony. Uh, I think he finished tied 27th or something like that. He gave a solid showing. 
I, I, I think that that was his first event for the year, knock off that ring rust, as you say. I think he could carry on the good work here of the course that will suit his iron game again. Um, it's not particularly penal, the rough here. The rough is pretty forgiving at, at this complex of courses at PGA West. So I think that will help Kirk as well. Um, and, I, and I think if he can stick his approach shots close and carry on that good work from the Sony, uh, I think he could, you know, it's like that sort of um, horse racing analogy. I think he'll come on for his opening run. And, uh, and I think it's 66 to 1, um, Kirk's good value for the week for me. So those are my four bets. Yeah, interesting. You should go for uh, Thompson. You have a canny knack, Rigger, picking the last one off my list virtually every week. Um, I thought the same. The only reason that I didn't, I guess, is because I, I, I don't know why I didn't, because I'm not sure it's sustainable, the form that he had last week, but he's actually got great course form here as well. He's got a fifth and a ninth in his last three visits. So yeah. maybe I'm doubting myself, but I mean, you can't back everyone, but I think it's a, a great shout. Um, Henley also wasn't far away for me, other than that he's had three missed cuts here. Um, he's not got great course form, but yeah, it, it's one of those where I have the chat with you and then I go away thinking, oh God, I'm going to really... <laughs> yeah, well, I, you have that feeling about Michael Thompson. I have that feeling about Tom Hoagie with you. So um, mm. let's see, uh, you know, maybe we you know, maybe we can help each other out there and running. But um, I, yeah, I, I just think Michael Thompson at 71, I couldn't believe what I was reading. Uh, and um, so... Yeah, let's see. I think you know, as I say, it's a you know, this comes with a bit of a wealth warning for everyone here. That be careful with these this week because it maybe you know, as I say, keep an eye on it and running because of this pro am format and because of this three course format. You know, it's a lot of luck in running here and uh, and a lot of uh, a lot of chance. But um, yeah, I think it's a you know, as I say, it's a good tournament, a good tournament to you know carry on with, and uh, and we're getting into some sort of. We're getting closer now to some some sort of tournaments that actually mean a little bit. Like the the Players Championship is coming up in 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 March, so you know we're not too far away from some 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 sort of the big guns. I think rolling out. So um, yeah, I think uh, you know. Thanks for listening, everyone. I think it's uh, it's going to be an interesting week. There's some very very big price um, uh, golfers here lobbed out by by Matt in particular this week. So um, good luck, Matt, and uh, we'll chat next week. Yeah, thank you very much. So we can kickstart this season. I really get it going with a winner. Yeah, me too. All right, mate. Thank you. Take care, mate. See you later.